You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. So this week, no, Laura did not know I was going to do that. I know, I know. This week um, and in weeks past, you know, as again, the pastor of the church, the leader of the church, uh, there are opportunities that I have to have a perspective on what God's doing in the church. It's very unique, and it's, it's very exciting. It's a, it's a very humbling, and, and it's a privilege. And, and this week, one of, the things, one of the things that I've realized is that God's really been talking to me about the condition of our church and where our church is. And there have been several specific areas, one of which is relationships, that people have come to me and they've said, Antley, I'm really struggling in my marriage. I'm really struggling with this part of my marriage. And the circumstances are different in all of the situations. But in all of the situations, it was interesting and not a coincidence that Samantha came up and shared a testimony in worship about how God brought healing in her marriage today because it's one of the areas that, that we really see the enemy attacking us right now. And again, what's happened in this situation is that people, it, it's like they're going like, Lord, why aren't you changing anything? And they're asking the question, Lord, why aren't the circumstances changing? Why hasn't anything, why hasn't anything changed? Like, why am I still upset? Why do I still feel hopeless? Why do I not see any change? Why do I still feel guilty? Why do I still feel burdened? Like, like nothing seems to be changing. And then there's other people this week that have come to me and they said, Antley, I, there's this part of my life that, that I just can't get a handle on. It just seems like it's overwhelming me. It's, and, 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 and some of them, some of the people have been, it's like an addiction kind of thing. You know, with drugs or alcohol or pornography or, or, or food or whatever, whatever it is. And, 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 they're, and they're, the result of their situation is very similar to the first one. And they're, they're asking me the same thing, like, why won't God be, bring me freedom from this? Like, why won't he change the circumstance? Why won't he change my heart? Like, why won't, why won't this go away? And then there's other people who have been talking to me, and they're like, dude, if, if we would have known how hard raising kids was, well, I'm not sure we would have had any. <laughs> and we're really struggling with our kids. We love them. We want what's best for them. But they just seem like they're pushing away or pulling away or they're caught in these behaviors that are driving us crazy. Or, and we don't know what to do. Like, we still know what to do. Why won't God come in and do something? Like, why won't he just make them worshipers or change their heart or do this or do that or do the other? Like, why is that? And then there's other people that are that have come to me, again, this week, this all happened this week, and they're like, well, I don't have any money. I don't know what the, the Lord is doing. I've tried to be faithful. I felt like he's spoken to us. We are pursuing work. We're trying to find jobs. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to be obedient. We're not spending money in crazy ways. We're trying to be good stewards, and we are pursuing God, and we're trying to honor him, but he's not changing anything. I can't find a job, or I found a job, but I don't have enough money, and I'm running out of money, and we're stressed about money, and we don't know what to do about this. Very similar, aren't they? Lord, what, what are you doing? When Jesus rode in to Jerusalem the final time, there was a group of Jewish people, disciples of Jesus, who loved Jesus, who desired to serve Jesus, who were wanting to be obedient to Jesus. And they were saying, Lord, we're so glad you're here finally. We're so excited about you finally coming on the scene. We've seen the miracles that you've done. We've seen the power. We've seen you heal people from the dead. We've seen you heal the blind, heal the sick, do all these things. 
And they were cheering for him. They were going for it. They were worshiping him. Yet the same week, the same week, those same people who were yelling, God, Hosanna, Hosanna, we love you, we praise you, you're the king. The same ones were yelling, crucify him, crucify him. What was it that caused them to stop praising and worshiping the Lord? Because like us, they had an agenda for God to change their circumstances. Their cry was, Lord, change the oppression that we're in. Get us out from the thumb, under the thumb of the Roman rulers. Take us away from the taxes that we can't afford. Take us away from a government that rapes our wives and steals our children and makes them slaves. Lord, why aren't you answering us? You rode into town. Look at our circumstance. Why aren't you doing anything? The danger for the Jews that love Jesus and for all of us that love Jesus who come to him and say, Lord, why aren't you changing our circumstances that eventually that will lead to us losing our worship? If our eyes are focused on our circumstances and Jesus, what have you done for me lately? We will lose the desire to worship him. In the scripture today, I want to show you this. It's in Luke 19, 35 to 44. It says this. And they brought, to Je- they brought it to Jesus. They're talking about the donkey now, okay? And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road, and he was drawing near. Already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if, they, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, But now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Lord, we pray that you would open the eyes of our heart today to show us what this word means, to get our eyes focused on you in this season, that we would grow and our love for you, and our focus on you. In your name we pray. Amen. You see, the Jews, like us, are in search of a God, search of a Messiah, a Savior in our life, that will bring restoration and hope and all the good things that Scripture promises. And those are good things. It is a good thing when God brings healing and restoration to our circumstances. When God, we believe in the social gospel at River City Church. We believe that the gospel has hands and feet and brings transformation and change. But we also believe that the source of that transformation and change is never our effort. It always comes out of a heart that loves and desires to serve and to worship Jesus. And the problem with the Jews and the problem with us is that we take our eyes off the king and the worship of the king and allow the circumstances around us, what we want to be the thing that determines what we pray for, how we pray. And immediately when we do that, not immediately, over time as we do that, 
our hearts, the desires of our heart begins to transform and to change. And what becomes most important in our life is our circumstance as opposed to building the kingdom of God, as opposed to worshiping Jesus in the midst of our circumstance. And the cool thing about Jesus is this, is that, is that Jesus loves us too much to settle on just changing our circumstance. You see, we would say, and people would say, well, where is the loving God in your circumstance if he's not moving to bring change? And I would say, because God knows our heart and knows the true situation that we're in, he loves us too much to stop at our circumstance and move into our heart. Would you rather have a God that heals or changes your circumstances or that changes your heart so that in all circumstances, you'll find peace and rest, comfort and joy, life to the full? If given the choice, if you had the choice for God to change your physical surroundings, your physical circumstances, to give you all the money in the world, but you remained unhappy, your heart was still sin, full of sin, full of brokenness, full of emptiness, what would you choose? Well, Jesus knows what we need. And it's one of those things where we should be thankful and remember that God loves us too much to just change our circumstance. And that's what Jesus saw when he rode into town. And that's why he wept is if you only would have known and seen the visitation, if you'd have seen the kingdom, the king who has come, and the promises I bring, I am the Messiah, if you would have seen what I offer you, you would have been blessed. But instead, you'll be judged, and you'll find brokenness, and you'll find disappointment. And not one stone will remain in this city because you missed the Messiah. See, God's love for us is so great his desire for us to find peace and to find life, to find wholeness in him is so great that he sees beyond the immediate circumstance to the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter is left unto ourselves, we will always and only pray about the circumstances around us. And Jesus sees that in us and he goes and heals that in us. He goes to the root and the core of the issue, which is left unto ourselves. We will always serve ourselves. We will always love ourselves. And we will always want what is easiest for ourselves instead of what God wants for us. And what God's desire for us is to be made whole, is to be forgiven for all of our sin, is to be transformed in every part of our life. So that regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in, we can find rest. We can find peace. We can find hope. In John 16, it says this. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. It's hard to get peace from the world when it is clear that it is full of tribulation. With Jesus, you can have peace even in the midst of tribulation. For all of us, for all of us who find ourselves in difficult relationships, in a financial struggle, with children we can't understand and don't understand why the Lord isn't more active, or in the fourth thing that I said that I can't remember, in addiction or recovery or sinful behavior in our life, in all of those situations, if our focus remains on asking Jesus, what have you done for me lately that would cause me to worship you? Then like the Jews, the disciples who love Jesus, your worship will end. Your worship 
will begin to turn its back on the Savior. We were singing that song, you know, that Susie was singing, you know, it just talked about God's relentless pursuit, his love for us, the life that he has for us that go beyond the seen unto the unseen world. We will never find peace on our terms. You know, in the, in the ancient Near East, there was, whenever there was going to be a battle between two big nations, this, this happened in Braveheart, whenever the um, English came and the, and the Scottish rode out there to, to hear what the terms were, where they were hearing, they were listening to the terms of the dominant, powerful king. Here are our terms for surrender. If you want peace, this is what you need to do. And then you know, Wallace went out there, and he's like, I'll tell you our terms. Because it was, what was funny about that is that they were the weaker nation. They were the smaller. They had like axes and rakes, and you know, they had an infantry. The other army had an infantry, right? And that's what we do with God. God says, here are the terms I have for peace. Here. This is, this is them. It is love me, serve me, be loyal unto me, and you will find rest. You will find peace in all of your circumstances. But we write out there like John Wallace, like, no, 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 I tell you. You do some of this, you just do some of that, you fix this in my life, you heal this, you give me some money, you do this, you do that, and then just maybe I'll worship you. Now, we would never say it that aggressively at God. But that's what we're doing. We're borrowing with the creator of the universe on how we think we should receive what we need. When God, again, is much more interested in transforming our heart, transforming our mind, renewing our soul in a way that we find life to the full regardless of what we experience here on earth. What, how priceless is that? In a world filled with tribulation, with pain, with suffering, with death, and with dying, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ that is in Jesus our Lord. How is that possible? When our worship remains on Jesus, focused on his kingdom, being obedient and loyal to him always, regardless of the circumstance, understanding that his love for us, the freedom that he has bought us, can sustain us when we keep our eyes focused on him. We are all, every one of us, have been created as kings and queens, representatives of the king. Every one of us created as queens and kings. And the danger with that is we begin to think that he owes us something. And we forget that we are serving something greater, someone greater. And my invitation this Easter, as we head into this week, as a church that's filled with brokenness, my life included with yours, is let's not lose sight of what this week is really about. A God who loves us so much that he can promise, he can promise that regardless of what's happening in our life, as we keep our worship focused on him, our hearts, our eyes, everything focused on him, he will bring us life to the full. He will bring us freedom. And as we do that, we become dispensers of that kingdom in our neighborhoods, in our family, in our communities, just by the nature of how God changes us. We bring hope to everyone. We bring hope to everyone because we are living differently. We are living like a king 
or a queen in the midst of circumstances that may be devastating. So the invitation this morning into ministry and to, to travel this week with Jesus is to, is, is to ask yourself, what, what have I been asking him for? Where has my worship been? Has it been on my comfort, my needs, my situation? Or am I seeking to promote Jesus this week, the work and what he's done on the cross? Has my worship diminished or is it on the increase? Let's stand.